You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of September 25th. I'm John Gibson, and with me bright-eyed and bushy-faced on a Sunday morning is my buddy Jim Allen. How you doing, man? You can't see I'm bushy faced. I got the the backlit. <laughs> but but you're but don't you you're, tell me what I can see, Jim Allen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're it's not not that you're wrong. I'm just saying I doubt you can see it. But uh, no, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How you doing? Uh, I'm freezing. My summer just ran away like in the middle of the night on Wednesday or didn't Thursday. It, didn't it though? <laughs> it packed up and left. <laughs> I know. I had sh- I was wearing shorts to the office yesterday, and my colleague who was also wearing shorts said, "I think it's going to be the end of short season pretty soon." <laughs> and I had to. It was late, so I had to ride in the car home, and he had the air conditioning on, and I was going to say. I was going to say cool, cool it. it. I was not going to say cool it. I, was, I don't know what. Something the opposite of cool it. Yeah, cool it with the AC, get... bro. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so yeah, I'm good. But yeah, this indeed. Um, we came back from Hawaii, and it was like, what is this with the heat and humidity? Yeah, yeah, that too. But um, you know, it's 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 nice to sleep with the air conditioner off these nights, but I was yeah. freezing last night. This is rude. Uh, anyway, the season's changing. Uh, the uh, season here in baseball is winding down. It, it's a nice time of year. It's really fun mm. to watch these races. And uh, let's get to this week's show. We've got first-year import Mike Brasso of the Marines as the guest. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Soldiers marching to their third consecutive PL title. We look at the playoff races, and if we can get to it, we've got some high heat, so let's start swinging. Clearing the bases! Okay, I returned to the ballparks for the first time in a while uh, last week, I know. And I, as usual, I had a a long list of people I wanted to talk to, uh, and... None of them, because of our our restrictions, it just is not easy. So there were several Marines players I wanted, but because we're required to be stuck stuck in the camera section, which is ironic. <laughs> okay, you know, just a short rant here because I the the Marines allow people in the dugout at home, but not in Cebu where play reporters are allowed to be in the dugout and i asked the pr head honcho and he said because it's the rules <laughs> they're making it up as they go along <laughs> right and and you can't be on well actually the marines the reason that you can't be on the field in the marines uh, home park is because the same our our same esteemed colleague said because many of the players are very young and they're not used to dealing with reporters on the field. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to change it, which is, uh, was I thought was encouraging, but I'm getting less encouraged as the days go on. Anyway, so because I couldn't get the guys, I, the Japanese players I really wanted to talk to, like Atsuki Tane, Taneichi of the Marines and mm. a couple other fellas, and Gregory Polanco never came by. The 
camera pit, so I couldn't talk to him. Wow. Uh, but I did get a couple of players, and one of them was uh, Mike Brasso, and who goes by the nickname either Bra or Bro. All right. <laughs> figures. Well, <laughs> he's a he's a utility bro. I mean, this guy this guy does everything. Uh, he's pitched. Uh, I think he's pitched three times in MLB. Mm-hmm. Uh, in you know, in mop up uh, late inning emergency stuff. But he's been he's been good. You know, he's one of those those guys who, who actually can can function on the mound and as well as uh, on the mound, on the on the field, on the mound. He pitched pitches. He pitched well in his three MLB games. Yes. All right. <laughs> so he's pretty much can do it all. He's played every position except center field and catch. So I was curious about his and, and, and when he came to Japan, it was like. Uh, he barely got off the plane. It's like he went from business class to the batter's box. <laughs> you know, it's like when he got got he was going through uh, customs. They said they called his name and said, "You get out of here. The Marines need you. You're right over there." All right? They pulled him out and said, "We've got a car waiting." <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it was. So anyway, we so I got to talk to him and uh, let's have a listen. Our guest this week on the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast is Mike Rosso of the Lotte Marines. And this guy is does everything. I mean, and, and if it's, he hasn't caught or played center field in, uh, in uh, pro baseball yet, probably only because they haven't asked him to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the gloves are in the bag. So if they, <laughs> if they ever need me to, I'll, I'll be ready for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, welcome to Japan. Thank you. Uh, how is it? You had a kind of whirlwind start. Could you rush us through your feelings about that, your emotions? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you know, watching the WBC this past year, you kind of, you know, the the lights on Japan baseball kind of came on a little bit more, I think worldwide, but um, you're super excited when I got the opportunity to to come over here, and um, it was kind of just a rush thing. I I think, um, you know, deciding to come over here and, and getting the logistics worked out and actually landing over here it probably took about two weeks total and getting the visa and everything situated wow. and then two days after that i was in a game so yeah. it was kind of just uh thrown into the fire and and react and learn on the fly it's and almost about your first game yeah well the first game was um a lot of learning curves i, I think uh you know seeing the fan atmosphere here is, is something that i've never experienced uh it was in lota uh, yeah, yeah yeah so seeing those right field fans and and the chants and and the songs and just the energy. Um, it was unbelievable. It was a great first experience. Now, yeah. Had you ever played baseball outside the United States before? I have actually. Yeah, I've kind of. Yeah, I've, I've gone to. Uh, I did Australia for one winter oh, really? ball. Yeah, when uh, that would have been. Play? I played in uh, Perth for the Perth Heat. Okay, I don't know the Perth man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that, and uh, that would have been 17, 18 off season. And then I went to Dominican for okay. uh, uh, one off season as well. I think that was twenty one off season. Okay, so you're you're used to a little noise. A little, yeah, a little noise. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, but this is, I mean, I I still think this is unlike any other league I've played in. Just the consistent basis of fans showing out every day. Um, you know, daytime, nighttime, weekday, weekend. It's um, you know they love baseball. Um, they and do. It, and it's uh, it's some it's a you know it's a breath of fresh air every day when you come into the park. Yeah, the the, the connection, the fan. I, I think it's different in every country. Sure. It, it, with Lotte, it's really 
a little special. It is, it is. And I'm learning that, I learned that right away. It, within the first, you know, obviously the first game, like I mentioned, it was just, uh, you know, kind of got the eyes a little bit wider and it's like, all right, th- we're here. And, uh, you know, it's super exciting. Okay, now, as you said, there were lots of learning curves and there are going to be lots of learning sure. curves. What, what, have, what kind of little adjustments have you been able to make? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, is kind of just, you know, when you boil it down, it's still baseball, you know, wherever you play. Um, but there are, like you mentioned, um, different game pl- game styles and, sure. and um, you know, just the way I think this, I describe this as a, a very pure and raw form of baseball. Mm. There's, um, you know, a lot of strike throwers. Um, you know, the home runs come and go in this league, but it's a lot of contact. It's a lot of small ball, a lot of bunting, fundamental baseball. You don't see many errors. Um, and it's just, like I said, I describe it as a very raw and pure form of baseball. Okay. Now, when you got started, of course, obviously the timing is, yes. is a huge. To, to have huge. any success straight off the bat with pitchers who've got, oh, I mean, they're not all that different. There's kind of a Japanese style sure. and variations off of that. How, did, how were you able to pick up the timing as quickly as you did? And you're probably saying, no, I haven't got it yet. Yeah, no, I, th- I still think there's some work to do, but you're right. There's The timing is a huge thing here. The, the pitchers are very quick to the plate. Um, out of the stretch and then out of the windup, you know, they have that pause and, and kind of timing at the top or, you know, a double leg kick or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of in-game watching, I think. Um, just trying to see how they attack certain hitters that are very similar to me, maybe like certain right-handed hitters that are in the lineup before I come up to hit. Um, and just, you know, timing as, as a whole, I think, is, is a huge thing. Would it's, you make any adjustments to your uh, to your timing mechanism as a batter? Yeah, I think there's um, there's a little bit of a two-strike approach. There's there's more okay. of a, a choke-up, I think, a little bit just to, you know, at least put the, a bat on a ball. Um, the split finger here is a, is a real pitch. Um, not so much in America, I think. Um, I'm we can say real bitch on the podcast. No, no, no real pitch. Pitch, oh, okay. pitch, pitch. Oh, sh- Real pitch, words in your real mouth. pitch, Sorry. real pitch. Yeah, no, real pitch. It's a, it's, it's it a, a pitch. it's a real thing out here. It's a, it's a pitch that I don't think I, I've you know experienced much in the states. It's it's it comes out like a fastball for 54 feet and then drops off the table. So yeah. it's um that was a is a huge um you know a huge adjustment that I had to make is kind of you know seeing the ball up a little bit more um, and realizing that you know. A lot of the split fingers and, and fork balls that do come in this league are, are going to drop it if it starts at the knees. So yeah, I saw last night, Rookies, uh, I was watching the Lions game yesterday, and Rookie Sasaki threw on Sosuke Genda that he on uh, two strikes, and he was looking for a he was looking for oh, a yeah. splitter, and he was choked up, and he was just yeah. going to swat it, and he still couldn't put the oh, bat yeah. in that ball. Oh yeah, even if you're looking for it, it's still it's still a, a good splitter is near impossible to hit. I think as and, a hitter. Pretty much, I'd say probably 75, 80% of the pitchers throw them. No, definitely, definitely. Uh, have you seen a lot of fast, a lot of fastballs? Yes, and that's another thing too. Is the fastballs are different here. I think they're more, um, you know, in the states, you kind of have uh, a decent amount of like two seam or right. cut, cut fastballs. Right. Maybe a little sink here and there, but Straight. here it's it's right over the top. It's it's a true ride four seam fastball um, that has, you know, the velo might not be. Um, you know, as high as, you know, what I've maybe seen in, in the States. Here and there, there's, there's a couple, you know, pitchers that can run it up a little bit, but they all the fastballs play up. So the 92, 93 mile per hour still looks like 95, 96 just because of that ride that they do have out here. Okay, and you've got to watch uh, Roki Sasaki up close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how's that been? He's special, man. He's, uh, 
I, I, I mean, just as a person, I've only got to experience him playing behind him one time okay. uh, so far. But um, just as a clubhouse guy, he, he loves, you know, interacting with the guys. Um, I think I think he's uh, obviously a special talent. Nobody has to just say anything more about what he can do on the mound. But, um, yeah, he's uh, he's a fun guy to play behind. He, what he can do on the mound is, is you know, it's very unique, very unique. We see him on the bench during games, and he's always, he's, always, he's yeah. really, um, I don't know, what's the word for it? He's just really friendly. I, I think that's the perfect word, yeah. Friendly, he loves, you know, interacting. Like physical he, contact. Like physical he's, contact, yeah, and he's, he's greeted me, you know, ever since I got off the plane uh, into Japan. He's He's been warm welcoming, he, you know, he's asking questions about America. He, he just really likes being around his teammates, I, okay. I, yeah. Let me ask, uh, in your short exposure here, what players here have impressed you the most? Oh. Let that stick in your memory, this guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I want to see more of this guy. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, a picture that stands out is, is Yamamoto, obviously. He, he's, you know, his credibility and his reputation has definitely lived up to the hype from, from my eyes. Um, but there's so many, like... I think just on our team, you know, I think we're a very deep lineup. Um, there's a lot of guys that can do different things on this lineup sure. and, and very high level. Um, so I think, like I said, there's there's a lot of very well-rounded baseball players in this well league. Well-rounded is a good word for this team. Yes. Because it's really, other than Sasaki, there really isn't the superstar, although sure. I think Kisan Oriasada could be one. Definitely. Could be that guy I see him getting there, but... It's a team of guys who are workmanlike. Definitely. And definitely, you know, no no real low bottom guys, but lots of guys towards the middle, which is a hard thing to win a pennant doing that. But. Yeah, but I, I think at the same time that, that creates such a deep lineup that, you know, the opposing team can't take any, any hitters off or any, you know, pitches off really throughout the game. Um, when you have a lineup that, you know, one through nine is attacking, you know, the pitcher the same way and, um, making him battle, it, it turns games into very stressful games for the other team, which is yeah. kind of your goal. Oh, interesting. Well, let me tell you, let me ask about the coaches then, because obviously if the team's doing something, the coaches are a little part of that. Definitely. So how is that interaction with the help or the, uh, what kind of, uh, I don't know, what? how is interaction with the coaches in, in terms of getting you and the team um and I say this because I, what I see some teams in Japan, particularly Lotte is one of them, um, but the Giants do this a lot. They'll have a team of, a team game plan for a certain pitcher sometimes. Definitely, yeah. And has that been very helpful for you? Oh, for sure, yeah. Especially coming in and, you know, seeing all these pitchers and different teams for the first time. Right. Um, they, we, yeah, the, the game plan as a whole is, is obviously trying to get on the same page before the game starts, and I think they do a really good job at it. They've, they've helped me out a ton, just kind of little things to look for and little things to expect. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, you know, our pregame meetings are, uh, you know, a sense of, you know, how are we going to attack as, as our whole against their, you know, our competition. So it's, it's definitely helpful for me, like I said, seeing everything and everyone for the first time, um, really zoning in on that game plan and, and trying to be, you know, helpful as much as I can for that game plan. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's – it's a very important part of my game plan for every every day is, is you know, listening to those meetings, what what to expect. Um, just because, like I said, first time seeing everything, it's 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 nice to have a little preparation before just going into the game. Yeah, left on your own could be really hard. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You're left on your own in, 
in almost everything when you get here. Sure. As much as they try to help you, you're still navigating Japan sure. on your own. Definitely. Okay, well, let me ask a, another another question, which is even, you know, given your small sample size, I know it's hard, but you've got to be collecting stuff and thinking, you know, if I'm in Japan next year, uh, what can I do better? What can I, you know, what part of your core skills do you think, oh, this is something I can adapt, I, I really can adapt that I want to work on this year, this yeah. offseason? Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, finding a way to to getting a, in a proper hitting position with different timing from a pitcher. I think whether that's definitely something I would have to dive into this offseason and kind of narrow in on. But, um, you know, what you know, whether it's making something simpler in my in my approach or in my swing, um, you know, if it's looking for certain pitches and, and being OK going down 0-1, 0-2 if it's not my pitch. Um, you know, I think those minor adjustments at the plate just – like, because like we mentioned before, the timing is, is such a big thing here. Um, you know, every pitcher is going to come at you and attack you. Like I said, there's not many walks in this league, so they're going to be around the zone. So, what can I do to make sure that I'm in a proper hitting position, no matter when or how the ball gets released from the pitcher, as far as you know, slide step or hold at the top? Um, I think those are going to be the biggest adjustments, and I'll definitely have to dive into that this offseason. Okay, you'll get you go home with some videos. I, I got some homework. Yeah, I got okay. some homework. Well, anyway, I'm going to let you get back to your pregame preparations thank because you. I know that's really important for you. Uh, thank you for being joining Absolutely. us on the podcast, and looking forward to having you all yeah. in the future. Pleasure to be on. Thank, well, thank you very you. much. Okay, Mr. Brasso, thank you very much for your time and for your your interesting take on being a newbie in Japan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, I'm not sure I'll get a chance to meet you <laughs> this season, but hopefully he'll be back. Yeah, one hopes so. Uh, what what would you like to comment on? Well, uh, you know, I a couple of things just quickly. Just when you hear Mike talk about the timing and how subtle the movements mm-hmm. for the pitchers can be that can throw batters off, that really hopefully gives you an appreciation of how difficult it is to hit because he's not talking about things that probably are even that noticeable to the untrained eye, right? We're talking about subtle moves. And, uh, you know, I've talked to so many players throughout the years, and we talk about this timing thing. It has been part of our discussions this year as well. But, uh, and of course, Mike didn't get into the real real meaty details of it, but he just said the leg kicks and and all those things can throw you off. And and that's all about not making contact. I think it's just it's just about driving the ball or getting good contact on it and you know making it difficult for the defense defensive players to make a play on the ball as opposed to just getting a hit. You know, you, these guys I think a lot of times we think and I talked about it I guess years ago, how many at bats of, of in a in a if you get a full season how many of those at bats? Let's say five hundred. Let's pick a number: five hundred mm-hmm. at bats in a season. How many of those at bats are actually your own? Because you've got the manager telling you, "I want you to move the runners over when we get this situation." Um, so hit behind the runner. Make sure you hit the ball to right field, or hit the ball here, or or whatever. So those that 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 takes away the ability for for hitters to actually get a hit because they're concentrating on direction more than uh, anything else. So. When you hear 
a player like Mike talk about the fact that the you know the subtle movements are throwing off the time, and that makes it harder to even get the ball to the right side, right? You end up being out in front and pulling the ball mm. or hitting the ball on the ground and hitting that double play ball that you're trying to avoid hitting or whatever it is. You know, we always get you know, always thinking, man, that pitch wasn't difficult to hit. Why didn't that guy elevate it? And it's like it's about timing too, mm. uh, not just location. So I hopefully we get a, a better appreciation for that, and then. I think he knocked in both runs uh, against the Buffaloes on Wednesday when the Buffaloes clinched uh, mm. in a game that we'll be talking about soon. But uh, I, I just get the sense that Mike has been studying really, really hard and has been uh, probably on the good side of fortune a little bit here because he has put together some some quality at bats. And just you know, I'm not talking about hitting the ball out. It's not always about that, especially with the foreign players we've seen come into MPB in recent years, it's just about being a productive hitter. And he has been doing that. Uh, they're singles mostly, but <laughs> from a guy who roots for a team that can't hit <laughs> and can't produce those runs, it, it's something nice to see. And I think, you know, we heard from Matt Davidson of the carp when he talked about all the pitchers ripping off splitters, I think it was the phrasing he used. And he said all over the place, that, you know, that's nothing new, but you hear a new guy come in and talk about how many split finger fastballs and how many forks he sees and uh, how it must be it, it must be like landing on a on a movie set when people mm. are saying, you know, we want to make a movie with with all splitters as as pitches. <laughs> you got to figure out how to hit them or something like that. I mean, it's got to be yeah. nutty like a bad dream with all these without the split finger fastballs. Yeah. And then they just throw in a four seamer here. And we know how good the control is for the Japanese pitcher. So it's, it, you know, I just really got a sense that it's really hard to be dropped into in the middle of a season and try to hit in Japan. Um, I got a new appreciation for that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I what, uh, what struck me was because it, it wasn't like all over the place. But it was little snippets of, of this is a problem and that's a problem and this is the way it is and that's the way it is. And you got you got a nice description of what it's like trying to fit in and succeed as a newcomer in a very complex organization and a stranger in a strange land. Yeah. I mean, those two things are interacting and all the time he's trying to keep it simple and repeatable. Mm. You know, and all I kept thinking, wow, good luck. You know, <laughs> but he's 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 really, you know, he's got a plan, and he, it's a plan like I got the sense it's a plan like, well, some of this is might work. You know, this is where I'm going to go with it, right? And you know, and I, I don't expect it all to work, but you see, you know, you see this process, and I think this is a guy who really knows what it's like to try and adjust this is a guy who's sort of meant to play in japan and mm -hmm. i mean that because obviously he's been forced in his career to make lots of adjustments on the fly when he's been promoted promoted in a lot to a different level a different league mm -hmm. and suddenly you know you have to perform as expected when you don't know nothing and they're using different balls and the parks are all different your teammates are all different the manager wants different things from you uh it's it's almost as if you're you know you're in a movie where they're speaking you know you again where you're in a you're dropped into a movie set except that the lang everyone's talking backwards <laughs> 
So he's like been through this before and I felt like uh, he's got a routine, you know, so I'm going to work on this and I work on, okay. And the splitter, you know, he's got like a little to-do list. Right. It was fun. I mean, I, I, I was, I found it the first time I listened to him, it was absorbing in the detail and the intensity. But then when I listened to it again, it was like, man, this is confusing. Uh, and I can see where he's he's really trying to stay on top of something that's quite difficult. Yeah. And the other thing I liked uh, was just the way and I, we've heard it already and we know and we all figure that at some point Loki Sasaki is going to be in the major leagues. But the way everyone talks about how he's so friendly, uh, how Sasaki goes up to them and comes up to them and talks to them and and loves the camaraderie of being with the, the the teammates and everything just makes him sound like such a fun guy. And still, I have not gotten a chance to talk to Sasaki and I guess I should uh, make the call and just try to get an interview for, for next season. Cause he's not gonna, we're not gonna be able to pull him over for five minutes. Cause as soon as you do, all the other reporters will gather around anyway. So, <laughs> but, well, I understand actually he's off limits. You know, he's a, he's a bit like first year. He's still a bit like, uh, you know, show Shohei Otani in his first three years with the Nippon ham. Right. Right. That's why I figure you have to put in an interview request and it's going to take a while and you have to pre- submit your questions and all this stuff. But I, I think I'll, I'll go through the rigmarole to do it for next season. Cause I don't think he's going to be around that long. So well, we might as well, try. well, I'll tell you because when I um, when I was waiting to talk, and actually I was standing on the field before I was reproached, <laughs> and I was I was sort of looking looking into the Marines dugout. At, don't you at, look over here at Cebu Half Dome, and uh, the guy I wanted to talk to was talking to uh, one of the guys I wanted to talk to, which is uh, Mr. Uh, first name forgotten, Mr. Fukushima, who's been a batting practice pitcher for the Marines for the last uh, 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. And one of the people I always talk to when I see the Marines and he and Sasaki were half were discussing stuff on the bench, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm thinking that's not, that's a different, you know, here we've got the, the team's best pitcher talking to a batting practice pitcher, former NPB pitcher. Sure, mind yeah. you. Uh-huh. But uh, it was interesting to see and you just get the uh, sense of what a good natured guy he is. So interesting. It was interesting. And uh, I, you know, I wish uh, I wish my good luck in his uh, offseason preparations. You know, he's got his. uh the idiot's guide to split fingered fastballs in his bag already <laughs> and double clutch motions yeah <laughs> indeed yeah indeed that too yeah you can get them both you can go get them i think you got them both on amazon on sale yeah, yeah. well thank you for doing the interview it was it was fun let's make a four scene transition and like i said we talk about these buffalo soldiers marching to a three oh yeah uh, good. wow yeah um we need where's the music <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I was looking and I did the search and I all I came up with was Buffalo Girls and nobody wants the 80s. A Buffalo Soldiers, man. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that, yeah, we're in the 60s, 70s, late, late 60s, 70s. early no, 70s. That was, his, okay. that was his last hit. That was Bob Marley's last hit was Buffalo. Actually, I think it was released after he died. Wow. So, all right. Yeah. Um, music trivia with Jim Allen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it ain't much, but like a little. <laughs> Uh, so on on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, six to two, 
uh, Lotte, the Buffaloes beat Lotte, the Lotte Marines and clinched their 15th Pacific League title. And I said 15, you know, I was watching TV and I, we always need to know the number of titles for, or pennants for these teams. And I'm like, 15, mm. what are they combining the, the King Tetsu Buffaloes titles with the, the Hong, Hong Q Braves titles and uh, what is what is going on here? Fifteen? I didn't know it was that many. It didn't seem like uh, didn't seem like the number was fourteen last year when I wrote it in. <laughs> what are they doing here? Why don't they get this? This well, number? the the Hong Q Braves had a, had a dynasty. The, the the amazing they went. They were one of the NPB's worst teams. They're the one of the Pacific League's worst teams in the fifties. So, sounds like the Buffaloes from ten years ago. <laughs> They were, but they turned things around in the nineteen in the mid sixties. Sounds like the Buffaloes right now. <laughs> and they were, uh, they were. I think they went through a, as 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 it was the case in the sixties when teams tended to be really dominant before the draft, mm-hmm. and the good teams could basically sign the best players. So it was very common for teams to win three or four pennants in a, in a row. And so it was the case that the uh, Hunky Braves got the drew the lot of playing the Omiri Giants year after year in the in the Japan series in the sixties, and then in the seventies they were the uh, they had another resurgence of that dynasty, and and they were sold in 1988, 19, after the nineteen eighty eight season to Oryx, so. So the, but they had 10 pennants in the 60s and 70s and one in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, the, the Buffaloes right now are pretty, pretty dominant. And you're talking about resurgence and all that stuff. They're just they're just surging, you know, ahead. And yeah. they, they look better. This looks like the best of the three teams, although they got some bad news. I woke up to they this did. morning um, that uh, Yuma Tongu, uh, who is probably an MVP candidate, a, a dark horse, but an MVP candidate yeah. has a broken a stress fracture, I believe it is, in his foot. So a yeah. bone there. And then uh, their star rookie pitcher, Shunpeita Yamashita, also has a back issue. So and those two might be out uh, for the they, season. Yeah. Tongu, they said maybe eight weeks for a full recovery. That doesn't bode well. Yamashita, I didn't see a a time frame for his recovery, but it didn't say any time this season. So that could be bad. But then they had Daiki Tajima come out of nowhere yesterday. They dusted him off and he throws a gem against the SoftBank Hawks, eight innings, one run allowed. So maybe they'll be okay on the mountain. You never know. But that that's uh, Yamashita had been a dominant pitcher all season and really helped bring this team to the... Uh, I know. And the idea that we won't get to see his curveball until 2024 saddens me yeah yeah so that's some bad news but uh like i said the team has been dominant this season uh it has the second best run differential in japan behind hanshin <laughs> uh the buffaloes lead the league in home runs uh through wednesday at least and it was really close but uh right there with hanshin again and team era uh and the starters and relievers both have high eras but i guess <laughs> When you're 20 games over 500 on the road, it's no surprise that you're winning, winning the league title. And they're just they're steady in the field. They no longer make those goofy plays that cost them games. And even if they have an error or a bad moment, they all are good enough to compensate for it. Uh, The pitchers don't. There's no panic out there. And I I just, you know, uh, I, I just love this manager. Satoshi Nakajima has just really been 
a steadying presence on the bench. And I don't know, I would love to see how they get ready for games on a on a consistent basis. I would just love to just be a fly on the wall for a whole season because he, he just he reminds me of Bobby Valentine in that he's he's steady. He doesn't get uh, he doesn't get too emotional. He does sometimes get emotional, but you know, when bad things happen, when bad things happen and they're always going to happen, you're always going to have some negative to go with your positive. He he always seems to be able to be like water and just move to the next thing that's the next path of least resistance, you know, mm. and and try to get to where they're they're trying to go. I just I, I especially with the the manager on my team, I I just like his leadership so much. Yeah, he's very. Uh, I think I don't know what he's a product of because he uh, he played for so many different managers, and it's hard to think of which manager had the biggest influence on him, and he also. Uh, was a roving instructor, I believe, with the San Diego Padres. When he was with the, he finished his career with the Nippon Ham Fighters up in Hokkaido, and at that time they had a working agreement with the Padres. And so it was that he ended up in the Padres. And it, it, I don't know what it is about the Padres in Japan, but they've been like a magnet or a <laughs> vacuum sucking up all these guys. Um, that's where I started talking to Takashi Saito. Because he was in a he was an intern with the with the Padres, right? A front office intern, and Hideo Nomo was there, and we never talked. I never saw him there because our, we never were there at the same time. And then uh, Akinori Otsuka, the former Japan and uh, reliever and current to Dragons pitching coach, he was on loan to the Padres for three or four years as their AAA pitching coach. From the mm-hmm. uh, he was on loan from the Chinichi Dragons. So it was it was just a it was it was just a sort of like I don't know like a sinkhole or or like a, a black <laughs> hole that sucked in all this Japanese coaching talent into MLB and he was there Nakajima was there as uh, was there as well and people credit him credit that for him but he's uh, he's always been a he's always been a, a thoughtful guy uh, from his times when with the fighters in the final years when he rarely played, but he was, uh, he was, you know, you see a lot of guys that they call them player coaches, right? And you really know they, they want that coach label. Like they want an extra, you know, uh, <laughs> opening in their body, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> put another hole in the head as my aunt would say. There you go. Uh, uh because their their whole thing is is more playing time and reviving their careers and it's like when somebody's like i had this with i'm sorry for the digression but i asked uh, kazuo matsui when he was a player coach for the lions how's it like being a coach he says like i'm not a coach like stay away with that stuff i'm playing (laughs) um i'll be i'll be you know it's like make me a coach when i'm six feet under kind of thing i'm coaching myself bro yeah exactly <laughs> when my career when my career is dead and buried then call me a coach so anyway uh but he was a guy who sort of breathed that you know he was rarely playing and he was more or less a coach and you just got that vibe from him and uh, i haven't spoken with him since he retired so i really don't know 
But I also credit, and of course, um, the Japanese media, when the teams win the pennant, it's all about what did the manager do to change this team? Mm-hmm. Well, I think he was a he was integral to the part, but he was only part of the part of what turned the Buffaloes around. And I think the big one was, as I said before, um, ex- you know, basically throwing out the riffraff from the front office. Yeah, in in 2018, because once that happened, once that happened, the 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 players, the the we'd always seen these young players come up with the Buffaloes and go, wow, this guy could really play. And then the next year they'd fall back and a couple of years later, they'd be on the bench and in the minors and they'd be traded to some other team, which, and then they would remind us of why we thought they could play in the first place. The the, the exact path that uh, Takahiro Tiokada was headed uh, because he, we'd see him flash and then he'd get sent down to the farm team and then he'd come up and play and then you just figured he'd be off the team but he's still there and he got to play the other day yeah i know <laughs> but that's the path that he was on but i know yeah, exactly but, the kind of player a, you're talking but it about. was it was there was a dozen of them yeah and and we kept uh you know that was that was the buffaloes but, but when and I, I i really think that was down to the front office being more concerned with uh graft uh, particularly, I'll, I'll say it's at uh, Yuzo Setoyama being more c- concerned with the, the traditional Japanese approach that front offices get to front office executives get to skim from the team, <laughs> and uh, and having a rival who was contesting him, and you know, and making personnel moves within the team that were best for his own situation and had nothing to do with winning the pennant, and. When you talk to people, I, I recently talked to Hikaru Ito, who is one of those players. He's a catcher with the DNA Bay Stars who got, got traded, and he was he was a pretty good player. And his career went into the tank after about a, about a, uh, three seasons, mm-hmm. and he's sort of recovered. But of course, now he's thirty two years old. But you know, he said, "Oh, I'm so envious of my former teammates because the team is just like." We knew the we knew the the team was uh, was a mess. You know, it it bugs it bugs players that the front office really doesn't care what you do. Yeah. Well, riffraff so, remover, riffraff remover works. We can. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, they should patent that stuff. And then when they got things around, they brought in Shigetoshi Hasegawa to give some advice. And of course, he's in the states and he knows what's you know who's coming and going. And they. They specifically got Nakajima to they they were grooming him to be their manager. You know, they they signed him to be their future manager. They put him on the farm team, which is really what you do. Uh, and they needed him more quickly than they expected, but he was ready. And and he and there was a story in the springtime. And this is my last thing. He's very much. Uh, we're not doing this the old school way. We're just doing it. Sure. And, yeah. and, and we're just going to find the best way. And I'm willing, he's flexible. And one day he said, well, you know, we're, we're going to have an extra day without a, a one, a longer in, in Japanese spring training is different from MLB because they, they'll practice typically four days and then have an off day. Mm-hmm. And they, they play all they when they practice in the morning 
that's the scheduled part. And then everybody practices until midnight <laughs> on their own. Yeah. And one day he said, you know, for some reason, we've got a longer than we're not going to have a day off for another two days. So today, the uh, practicing on your own is forbidden. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I asked, I know, and I asked uh, So Taguchi, he says, well, you know, it's no big deal about that. So Taguchi, who's the first base coach, and I think he's the fielding coach and uh, hitting coach for the Buffaloes. He said, it's, you know, it's no big deal. I don't know what you're making a big deal about. I said, well, could somebody have said that 15 years ago? He said, I don't mm, think so. No, <laughs> so, couldn't even think it too loud. Yeah, yeah, the, co- yeah the coaches were going around <laughs> telling play- players to stop. You know, stop swinging now. It's an order. Go home. Go mm-hmm. go rest. Mm-hmm. We got practice tomorrow, but today is no free practice. And I, and I thought that is, it's a sign of the times. And Satoshi Nakajima is a sign of the times, as you said, always willing to just go, you know, this is the way it is. Let's find, you know, let's, we'll go to plan B. We'll go to the next thing. He trusts, you get the feeling, he trusts his players. He doesn't get, he doesn't stress on people. I mean, Mm. sometimes he'll he'll look at kind of like, you know, he's got, he's a manager. He's a human being. He's got the, what are you doing face? You know, he's got that. Right. But, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to, you know, as they say in in Britain, throw the, all the toys out of the pram, like former coaches were expected to do. Right. Right. So uh, the pitching is obviously great. The bullpen, I think, might have something to prove in the postseason. Mm -hmm. They've been jumbling, and uh, there's no (laughs) there's no telling who might come out of the bullpen at what instance, which is a good thing, I think, because that gives uh, Nakajima an opportunity to play with the brain of the opposing manager in the postseason. So that's well, I think right the current the the closer du jour right now is Soichiro Yamazaki. I, I think so, but uh yeah, again, but exactly. in the postseason, yeah, you know, there's something yeah. else to think about. And the, of course these guys have faced all the bullpen arms anyway, so it's no surprise you seen these guys. It's just that you have the pressure and the one game advantage and you're playing all the games at home and blah blah blah. So it's just gonna be different in the postseason. But um I think the Vegas has the the Buffaloes as the favorite to to get to the Japan series and win it all. Um, this is the three first three peat uh for the franchise since the team won four straight pennants from 1975 to 78. Uh as far as MVP candidates, and we know that the MVP candidate in Japan is going to come from this team and probably deserved. Um I surmise that Tongu might get some votes. I don't think yeah. Hiroya Miyagi is a viable candidate. I think Yoshinobu Yamamoto is the top MVP candidate, and I and I'm sure he's gonna get it. So there's really no nothing to talk about here. Although I, I do like what uh, a lot of the team has done. Um uh I, I guess Tongu might be he just has been a really steady presence in the lineup and just no ups, no downs per se. He just has been a consistent hitter all year so they're going to miss him if he if indeed he doesn't <laughs> play another get another ab this 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 year that's unfortunate but that's that's how injuries go and that's what happens so they're gonna have to play through that but i i think they have enough guys to step up and uh produce offensively and the pitching is so good they can probably cover so mm, i i think so i think that's an accurate uh uh, Tongu has 
has been their best hitter this year. There's no mistaking that, but they've got a lot of guys have sort of uh, Keita Nakagawa, who had a a middling first half, has played better in the second half. Sure, he has been a presence for sure. Um, Tomoya Mori has been healthy. Uh, you know, call me Le- Le- Leandro, call me Leo. Sedeno uh, is going probably just going to slot into first base and and make make opponent opposing teams wish he he hadn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um so now Oryx and Hanshin can set up the first Kansai Japan series in 59 years I read in the paper uh it was 1964 mm. when the Nankai franchise now known as SoftBank and uh Hanshin uh each won league championships. And so yeah. So yeah, yeah. the Hanshin Tigers of course I I we pointed out it's the first time they've had a they've had Kansai pennant since 1964, but that's really Due to there being one Central League Kansai team in the last uh, sixty years, yeah, yes. and and it being the Tigers, so I guess officials uh, want to have a parade for both teams, no matter which team wins the titles. They're just going to be happy that they can they both won league titles in the same year. They're not even waiting for the Japan Series to go off before they even start planning parades for the league title so i hope mm. both teams get there so they can make this parade worth while <laughs> it'd be very very disappointing if one of them doesn't get there <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, I i don't i don't anticipate that so let's make a two-seam transition and talk about the rest of the pl now they're little they're gutty they're the gutty little eagles they keep winning man what is going on here i, I keep expecting them to and they did they had a game the other day in which mm. uh, they they were playing the fighters and it looked like they were going to it just seemed like the the atmosphere was that they're going to win this game they're going to mm. figure it out and they couldn't um and they end up getting shut out and then they come back and and Taka Yuki Kishi yesterday fires a gem and they win mm-hmm. and i'm like well which one which one are you you know <laughs> which team are you um but their little crumpled wings they keep flying and the hawks their crumpled wings seem a lot worse than the same level of crump. crump what is it? Crumpility? Crumpel? Crumpleness? Crump- I'm not helping. <laughs> I'm not helping. <laughs> it's the same kind of crumpled wings, but they they seem to they they cannot fly with them. They keep losing games too. So this thing is serious, man. I I, I don't. It just doesn't look like from. I, there are lots of metrics out there. They have um, Proyaku News. They show what they call the the playoff lines. And how many wins you have to actually get to overcome the team that's in front of you, and blah blah blah. And it's it's close, man. It's sure. really close. So yeah, and the I keep... Pacific League as of as of Saturday uh, Saturday afternoon, there were two games separating the last three uh, the three teams competing for the last two playoff spots. So yeah, so I I mean we already made our predictions at the beginning of the season. I I had SoftBank winning the whole thing uh as did many others, but if they don't finish in the playoffs, then I I just I don't know how they go forward this this next season. Uh they're yeah, going to have to change things up. I definitely think that uh manager Hiroshi Fujimoto is now basically going to stay there as long as his contract the first contract he signed to manage Mm -hmm. uh, lasts if it's a three year deal I don't think they're going to do what Rock 10 did to uh, uh, Kazuhisa Ishii's 
predecessor and just send him back down to manage the minor league team, mm-hmm. which is where he came from. I don't know if they'll do that. They might, but talking to people, uh, people around the league, it seems like, yeah, Fujimoto is, you know, there's, there's like nine new wave managers in, 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 in the NPB. Well, I would say eight and uh, he ain't one of them. <laughs> Suffice to say. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, yeah, like I, I don't, I don't think they changed managers. I just, they, I think they make some changes in, in process and things like that, but uh, I think they're, I think they're going to change manager. I don't think they're going to do it unless he's, unless they told him he'd have two years, but my guess is the typical deal is three, but we'll see. Okay. Well, there are games today. Uh, there are games on Monday. So every day the the standings or the situation is going to change. But as we sit this morning on Sunday, the Eagles are just uh, one Eagles win and one Hawks loss from being even and tied for third place. So that's that. I mean, I don't know what's going on out here, but, um, or, you know, we could have a situation where the Hawks, the Hawks get into the playoffs because they had a better record in 2023. Oh, gosh. Although, actually, that's, um, <laughs> you know, that's how the, I don't know if that's how it is, because both leagues have different tiebreakers for places. Oh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> different so tiebreakers. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we'll yeah. we're going to have to, we're going to have to pull out just off the, the books here, because we, we might have that situation. And um, the one question I had about the Eagles was they dusted off Takahiro Shiomi and put him on the mound yeah. for a start the other day, which was an abject disaster. The dude just, I, and I mean, I, as soon as I saw him throwing soft toss, he tried to do his best Masanori Ishikawa of the Swallows. Uh, he tried to do his best Ishikawa impression and, and try mm. to locate, and he just was not locating. I'm like, man, you guys got to get this guy out of here. And they left him out there for four innings. And so he uh, he managed to hold the Lions to, to, to four runs in four innings, but it was not good. So, yeah, you got an update. Uh, yeah, if the if the Eagles and Hawks uh, finish in a tie, the the Hawks for the second year are going to end up on the losing end. Last year they uh, they finished in a flat footed tie with the Buffaloes, mm-hmm. but they uh, they finished they were second in the league because the Buffaloes had a better head to head record. And this year the uh, Hawks are eight and fourteen against the Eagles, so there's no recovering that. Yeah. All right, so something to look forward to. In the Central League, the, the Bay Stars and the Carb were locked in a tight battle for second place, but I think... Still I think, are. I think, well, I think the Carp have taken a, a couple steps in front of that. Two, I, two games, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm not sure the Giants, you know, are out of this thing. They're on the periphery, but and they're trying to stay relevant, like I said last week, but they lost to the Carp on Saturday. Uh, and it was a really good game, just a, a close game. And the, the Giants had a lead. The Carp had a lead. Both teams came back. Eventually, the Carp win the game 7-3. Uh, and that was a Tomoyuki Sagano, Giants former ace, if you want to put it that yeah. way. Yeah, I uh, think that's and, and he he did what he could. But uh looks like the Carp, to me, are the second-place team. And, and, and the Bay Stars end up losing. And they lose to the Dragons at home. And... They have owned the Dragons this year that you think, you know, they're in prime position, you know, on the inside track in this race to get to uh, second place or at least make sure ensure that they are in the playoffs. 
and they end up losing to the dragons but it, it didn't it didn't cost them anything because the giants lost but it did cost them in the fact that the carp won so everything is everything's all married together when one team you know if, if you're a giants hater if you're uh, a giants lover um when the giants win and they beat a team that's in that top three you know everything's good but when they they lose to one of those teams that's in the top three it really hurts and then it impacts the other teams like the the base stars and obviously Hanshin is already clinched so a lot of fun watching these games yeah well (laughs) the other thing is that there's still a there's still you know as of Saturday's results the the carp have a two game lead but they've got five to play and the base stars have eight and the giants have seven which is unusual that the carp are on the low end mm-hmm. that they play outdoors uh and the pacific league teams we're still talking of all the contenders have 10 or more games right so one you know one good one one good series well there are hardly any series though now it's no it's, well okay well yeah, one, one good three, one good stretch one three game stretch and everything has gone the other way Yes. So. Yeah. And the carp have been, you know, they've had some injuries and then Shogo Akiyama had a fever and he was taken off the roster, but then he was added again. But uh, they did. I was watching the game the other day and the, the broadcaster said they don't have any outfielders left. You know, they, they've had to put uh, show, one of your buddies, Shobuta Dobayashi, out there in the outfield. And uh, that's bad. <laughs> he's, a, he's an infielder. He's got. Uh, a different kind of body now than he had when he came up and he was young and spry, but um, well, he'd I been just... in the, he'd been in the outfield for a few years too. I mean, on and off, they've always he's he's one of these guys is like, well, we got him. What are we going to do with him? With him, yeah, yeah. Well, I know you don't like him that much. I like him. Well, I do. I mean, I think he's he's actually you know he's gone through he's gone through his. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna succeed phase to the what do I need need to do to succeed phase, which is where he is now, which is actually working and making uh, consistent adjustments and taking a, a measured approach. Mm-hmm. And I think that has paid off the last three years. He's made incremental improvements. And so while I did complain when he homered off uh, Rydell Martinez. Martinez, that <laughs> I was glad that. Takai Ishikawa homered in the same inning because at least a real player hit a home run. Oh, that's just so mean. And you talk about me being mean. You look at you. That is mean. That's my old bias creeping in there. So, but no, he has incrementally turned himself into into a into a productive player. So good for him. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I was hoping that Yokohama would get in the second place so we could have a you know a a game. we could have uh, the climax series, the first stage, out here in the Kanto region, and so it was just for selfish, selfish reasons. But mm-hmm. any news on the status of Trevor Bauer? Because I think it's him. He's really important for the postseason when the uh, base stars talk about having to win all these games, or well, not all these games, but if if they were to move beyond the first uh, stage, they would have to play all these games on the road so uh no any, i haven't any, i haven't, I haven't seen either. any news other than uh he's out for the foreseeable future and he has def- depositions to do oh depositions too wow <laughs> nice <laughs> good so <laughs> at least he's got something to keep him occupied i was gonna say yeah you gotta do something you can't just sit there and twiddle your thumbs on twitter and uh and facebook youtube, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah so 
Um, and then uh, the, the Giants, I don't know, I, I'm ready to put a fork in them, but every time you try to stab them with a fork, they move. So <laughs> I don't know. They have productive players. They've been getting really good production from a bunch of young players, but again, unproven and un, unsteady. And um, yeah, yeah, more, more dysfunctional <laughs> that they're. You know, they got they got good players and they put good efforts, but they just seem to they're they're I, I'm trying not to find cliches, but they're just they're inconsistent as a team. They're inconsistent. Correct. And and yeah, I mean, they, they're mixing and matching and putting all kinds of players out at different times and, you know, different situations. And you never know who's coming up. Uh, they had a pinch hit grand slam home run from uh takumi oshiro their their catcher the other day and i'm like why, why wasn't he playing you know uh, but anyway i'm you know not the manager not watching all these guys in practice and yeah, uh, you I don't just... want you don't want to spend too much time i think watching although to be honest that's kind of what i do is look at managers carefully and what they do so i can be i can be suitably horrified <laughs> or highly critical <laughs> or or that yeah exactly or that <laughs> but have at least have a reason to be highly critical other than the, the team plays badly let's blame the manager yeah true true all right uh let's make a one scene one of those one scene transitions and we do have a rocking with roki segment sort of he had another three inning stint on september 17th so a week ago today uh, 70 pitches, another bullpen session. This time it was against Cebu, and he allowed three runs on four hits a walk, two hit batters, and struck out three, and he took the loss. Now, I, I didn't see it. I just saw the highlights, but there were two down in the first inning, and the bases were empty, and then it went it went like this. Walk, hit, hit by pitch, another hit by pitch to force in a run, and then Shuta Tonosaki had a two-run double. So, yikes. You said you saw some of this game or most of it, or I guess no, you could watch I, it any time because yeah, because yeah, it's I'm on it's on my player too. I could watch indeed. it too. I just don't have time. Okay, hold ahead. on. Well, let me uh Yeah, okay. sure. And he's gonna throw today. He's scheduled the pitch. Um, and it's uh again on Sunday here, and he's scheduled the pitch against the SoftBank Hawks. So bad news hawks. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> this is at home where he where Sasaki pitches normally pitches much better anyway from my recollection uh okay so it all started in the first inning he got two quick outs and then trouble started he his control his command has been off so he he walked a batter and then he gave up a hit to to takumi kuriyama Kuriyama, thank you i'm i'm losing it takumi kuriyama and then he, he gave up he hit he barely hit Aito Takeda to load the bases. Okay, then he gets two strikes on Kento Watanabe. And then on a... Oh, I'm just holding, I think it was a 2-2 pitch. It was a 2-1 pitch that was in the zone, and it got called a ball. And he just looked, you know, he looked like, oh, I'm going to laugh this off, but he couldn't because Kento Watanabe then fouled off uh, five, one, two, three, four, five, uh, six, <laughs> six, two, two strike pitches before he got hit with a pitch, with a, a fork ball that, yeah, that kind of that just got a little too much of the, of him. 
<laughs> well, there's and, a lot uh, of him to get. So. There is a lot of him to get. But anyway, <laughs> but he got a fork ball that missed a little too much. And and so now he forces in a run. And the game, the game just went to hell from that third strike that wasn't called. And I'll I'll tell you, it is hard to get a called a called you know strike uh, O2 or one two in Japan. The man the umpires really don't want to give you that pitch. Mm. Uh so if it's on the corner, pretty much you're not gonna get it. But it was it was pretty much a strike, and and the umpire gave it to him, and things just cascaded. Oh, it didn't give it to him, yeah. Well, it didn't get well. He gave it to him. <laughs> he, <laughs> he gave it to him, all right, yeah. <laughs> okay, stuck it to him. Hashtag high heat. And credit Watanabe. I mean, he was, and he wasn't. He was just nicking and flicking and just missing and he missed some good pitch you know he was just fouling off some good pitches everything was more or less in the zone and then he hit him and the game just went to hell yeah and that was the game and and that was ended up being an 11 pitch at bat and when he was finished he'd thrown uh 31 pitches in the first inning in that and there was still more to come Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, so he takes another loss. So I hope he can get into shape because the playoffs are coming soon. He's not really going to have time to to work himself back. So the time is now. So hopefully today we get rid of these uh, bullpen sessions. A couple notes uh, on retiring players. Now, I saw that uh, Kazuya Fujita, the Bay Stars, said goodbye. And uh, he's going to have a retirement game, I believe, or if he didn't have it already. I know he had a press conference uh and uh he spent most of his time with the base stars and went to the eagles and then back to the base stars he's out and i there's a list actually i i saw i you know me i find my stuff on the internet and there's a list and there's really not a lot of big names who are uh, retiring on uh, naomichi donoue of the chunichi dragons he's probably uh, one of the wow. bigger names the he's, guy the guy the yomiuri giants were unable to get in the draft lottery and had to settle for Hayato Sakamoto. Sakamoto. And boy, if the Dragons had drafted Sakamoto instead, huh? Well, you just never know. That you never know. Show. Yeah, so those are the, the big names, um, the biggest names for me. And again, there are a lot of guys, I think I counted uh, about 10 players who have already announced, but uh, those are the two big names for me. The, Not The big me. name for me was a name I had forgotten. Which was is? Si- was a guy who was playing, who was released last year, and he played this year in indie ball. Oh. And Seichi Uchikawa oh. said, I'm done. Oh, so he yeah, was, I thought he had already retired. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. When they stopped That's one of those guys when TV, you see him. Exactly. You see him on TV, you say, hey, didn't you used to be famous? <laughs> oh, man, he'll always be famous. And I'm, I, we're, we're going to miss him because this is a guy... You know, you 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 occasionally get meet players who have minor speech impediments, mm-hmm. and he had one. He had a, a fairly per, uh, prominent lisp when he was a young player, mm-hmm. and most of these guys have learned by the time they're adults that the less they say, the better. Sure, but Uchikawa was almost like. Uh, I, I guess uh, Joe Biden's another guy who had a, you know, he had a, st- a stutter and he sort of worked his way the other way, which was to be aggressive about it and and learn to, you know, practice and study and train himself. And Uchikawa became 
so eloquent that he was one of always one of my favorite interviews because you could ask him a question uh, today, this one question, and tomorrow his thoughts on it had changed, and he's going to give you a new answer. Mm. Uh, and I, I will say this: that you know, baseball players—it's a hard job just being a baseball player, but another hard job is dealing with the media when they ask you dumb questions. Well, then, geez, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing with Ichiro Suzuki, uh, digression number five today, uh, digression is that he he really despised the part of being a baseball player that required him to tell like white lies in order to give reporters quotes to write their stories. Mm. You know, you know, tell us about your game today in which he went, you know, one for three and his single was an accident. Sure. Out <laughs> twice. And he's like, you saw it, go away, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> and and so he had that relation. He just hated the whole lying bit. You know, I should say he probably still does hate the whole lying bit. But Ichikawa would, and uh, other players would re- will resort to just having one answer for one question, regardless of when and where the context is and how it's changed. You say one answer for one question. I say one answer for three questions because yeah, it could almost, be Sashi yeah. Wakuma. Yeah, I had that in <laughs> two thousand five. It's like but go oh. ahead. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you ask them the uh, you know variations of the same question, you get exactly the same canned answer. But Uchikawa, he didn't own a can to put answers in. He would everyone was original and well thought out and patient. You know, he's one of those guys. Is there anything else you want to ask me? Because I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it. you know, there needs to be more training for the media on question. And there's too much. If you listen carefully to these questions, uh, which I do, I like to watch press conferences rather than read stories because some of the writing is has been <laughs> the quality of writing has has diminished over the past decade but anyway i'm working on getting better no no not no no the younger (laughs) the younger the younger crew yeah um but the you know the questions they always ask uh here's a typical question well how much did this player's uh um presence on the field uh better your team today i mean you're leading the witness right You're, you're telling him that this player did this that and the other and you're the question is more often than not answering their own question with the way they present it hmm. so there's no they pin the the question into a hole you know well how, how do you know this player did yeah I, I would love to answer some of these stupid questions that media people ask and it's not just in japan and in japan a lot of times no. they don't even ask a question they they ask it you hear these zero interviews you you had a great game today <laughs> and then the player is expected to come up with something and and you know it's 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 terrible so we need more we need improve training and questioning and i hope that the question i mean i prepare my questions mostly ahead of time and i hope that 90 percent of them or at least 85 percent of them don't necessarily tell that person how to answer the question but leave it open and that's why sometimes i get these open-ended you know i asked a, a specific question with a with something in mind but i get an answer differently because people are able to interpret how to answer the question and it and uh, you know that's that's part of not leading the question, not asking a question that pins them into a certain answer, because that's why sometimes I think athletes get frustrated. And you talk about dumb questions or, or answering stupid questions. It's like three ways to ask, to ask the same question. And all the reporters, you, you've been in these press conferences, they ask 
the same question, but just different wording. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> you know, well, part of it, part of it is part of it is, it is a logistical issue. And I have to say this because generally, uh, especially newspaper, newspaper and television people are on a deadline magazine and weekly weekly magazine and the, the evening papers are not. And so you get two. you get, I find that the, the magazine, um, a lot of the internet people and the weekly, the, the evening, uh, the the evening papers tend to ask deeper questions because mm-hmm. deadlines uh, over. Yeah, <laughs> because deadlines over, and the TV and newspaper guys who are going, I got, I've got a, they've got a story written, they've yes. got a story all done, and they just need, they just need uh, Chrome. You know, they need a little bit of flash. They need a little bit of color that fits their narrative, their already predetermined narrative. Yes. And such. So we get questions of you got the, you know, you drove <laughs> that that ground out. No, here, here, here's one. Here's one. Of these two. Yeah, okay, go How ahead. happy were you? When you hit that home run to win the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's all I want is you tell me you were excited. I'm good. Yeah. 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 So, exactly. yeah. And then the, the the listener has nothing more to say. I was super excited, you know, and then you get these canned answers. Like you said, push A for response. You know, yep. <laughs> they're all predetermined. So it's it, they're, they're bad questions. They're bad yeah. questions. And the answers are not going to be um can't always be well thought out because they're pinned into a hole. But some, you know, there are some people out there, some uh, subjects, interview subjects, whether they're athletes, coaches or whatever, they sift through all the the madness and they uh, are able to answer, not only answer the question, uh, see the story in their heads before it's, you know, as the reporter is asking the question, they can say, oh, I, I see exactly what kind of story you're writing and I know exactly what you want and I can I can sift through all the bad wording and give you the quote that you're looking for because I I, I see, and I see these, they're, they're, they're brilliant minds, some of them, some of these coaches and some of these players, but um, most of the time they're, they're just pinned in. But anyway, we've got way off track here. Um, some of the Sorry about uh, yeah. that, but I did want to point out because uh, I know Jason Koskri uh, was another guy who, if, if we saw Uchikawa, it was like, let me think of something to ask him because I know whatever he says will be good. Good. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, this all started with the retirements talk. And I just I just want to point out that there are four four dragons players on this list that i have here so everybody, i mean some the, the guys are pretty much old but uh and and they're ready to go but uh yeah they, they don't want any more what's going on over there either and they'd rather retire than, yeah i wonder i wonder if we're gonna see anything like uh what we've seen with the nippon ham fighters where is they had one guy who was a free agent, one guy who was coming back from MLB who didn't want anything to do with them. <laughs> yeah. well, it's going to be an interesting offseason with the Yamakawa stuff, too. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, uh, we do have a question on deck. It's Christopher in Ireland. Ireland. Wow. So we'll get to that next week uh, for sure. Uh, anyone else who has a question, please send it to yakyujohn at gmail.com. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter or 
twitter.com or x twitter.com yeah at jbw podcast with the hashtag high heat or leave us a note on the facebook page i'm gonna be glued to the tv like i said there's baseball every day this week no breaks so we will see you next week enjoy your baseball be at the ballparks and get some 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 dilution for that glue Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.